Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, today I'm going to take you guys on a journey to the past. Some of you may remember these fondly. Others of you will have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Image, please. Thank you. The Reebok pump. Yeah, that's right. These things came out when I was a baby. They were still around when I was a kid, and I thought they were the coolest shoes ever. They pumped up so that they would give a custom form for your feet. They were amazing. But if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want you to check out this clip. In addition to me thinking that these shoes are amazing, you should also know that my husband, Aaron, is 14 years older than me. Crazy, I know. This generational gap means that we remember things differently. For instance, the Reebok pump. In a moment of nostalgia, I was sharing with Aaron just how amazing I thought these shoes were and how I always wanted a pair when I was a kid. He told me they're dumb. (laughs) Whatever. Now that you know a little bit more about me, it might be helpful if you knew my name. I'm Kat Fiore, and I'm the discipleship pastor here. I'm so thankful that you could join us today, whether you're tuning in online or you're here in person. I'm just super jazzed you're here. You might not be super jazzed to find out that today's my first time preaching, but welcome to the ride. Before I continue, you are invited to join us this Tuesday night at 6.30 for our monthly prayer event called First Tuesday. On the first Tuesday of each month, we gather here to worship and pray through some scripture for our community and for people around the world. Praying out loud is not a requirement, so please don't let that keep you from coming. Uh, But through prayer, we are able to make a lasting impact. In fact, that's one of our, uh, it's part of our vision here. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And we get to do that through prayer. Each month is different, but our time together is always encouraging and refreshing. So grab a friend and join us here in the auditorium Tuesday night at 6.30. I know you guys are still thinking about sneakers. (laughs) Now that I'm older, I don't think I'd be nearly as pumped about these shoes as I once was. Sure, they're awesome for an athlete, but I am not athletic. The most athletic thing that I do is take my dog for a walk. But isn't that the thing about nostalgia? We don't necessarily remember things as they were. Good times could be recalled as better than they were. Mediocre things might be remembered as life-shattering. And those bad times, they really weren't that bad. Don't get me wrong, nostalgia can be a beautiful thing. Remembering loved ones and great times past can be wonderful. However, nostalgia can leave a negative toll as well. It leaves us pining for things that may never exist again, perhaps that we're never real to begin with. And ultimately, it robs us of our today. We're going to see today how nostalgia kept Israel from fully pursuing God. Our main scripture is 2 Kings 17, 32 through 34. 
And if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, all the scripture is going to be up on the screens. So like if you just left it in your car or at home. But if you don't have a Bible, we don't want you to leave today without one. You can download one for free called YouVersion from any app store. Or if you're old-fashioned, prefer, you know, good old-fashioned hard copy, we offer them for free, no strings attached. Just stop by guest services on your way out and we will give you one for free. Before we read our passage, I am going to give you guys a little bit of background. So in 2 Kings, Israel's been split into two kingdoms. We've got the northern kingdom of Israel, and then there's the southern kingdom of Judah. But we're going to stay up in Israel in its capital of Samaria. All throughout First and 2 Kings, it's recorded that Israel's kings did what was evil in the Lord's sight. God had sent many prophets to speak out against Israel, telling them, get your poop in a group. But the Israelites would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. Israel refused to turn back from her own ways and follow God. Our main scripture takes place around 720-700 BC, and the king of Samaria is Hosea. Assyria is another country over here. Uh, they had attacked and forced Israel to pay an annual tribute, but Hosea rebelled against this order. So Assyria invaded Israel and then deported all the Israelites to Assyria. 2 Kings 17.7 says, This disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshipped other gods. They had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Fast forward some time and now the Assyrian king wants to repopulate Samaria, but not with the Israelites. These new people who are coming to live in the land did not worship or even know the Lord. So the Lord sent lions to eat them. The Bible's full of these fun little tidbits. Obviously, this doesn't look good for the Assyrian king. His people are dying. So to fix this problem, the king brought in one of the Israelite priests back to Samaria so that he could teach these new people how to worship the Lord. And that brings us to today's passage. 2 Kings 17, 32 through 34 says, These new residents worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And though they worship the Lord, they continue to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. And this is still going on today. They continue to follow their former practices instead of truly worshiping the Lord and obeying the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands he gave the descendants of Jacob, whose name he changed to Israel. In this passage, I see many similarities between the foreigners who are reoccupying Samaria and those of us who come to faith in Christ. The first similarity is that these people were unknowing. These new residents learned how to worship the Lord so that they wouldn't be eaten by lions. Certainly many of these new Samaritans could have been genuinely curious about God and even excited to learn how to worship him. Similarly, I believe that many people do come to true faith in Christ today. They surrender their lives to his lordship. However, there are many who say yes to Jesus out of a fear of hell as a just-in-case to avoid being eaten by lions. These new residents worship the Lord. One of the commentaries I read noted that this phrase, worship the Lord, means according to the law of Moses. 
Now, the law of Moses incorporates the first five books of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's no small chunk of the Bible. And if you've ever read through those books, you'll understand that following that law is no small feat. So what about today's Christians? When we've said yes to following Jesus, what steps do we take? Many of us start with prayer. We communicate with God, opening ourselves up to the creator of our souls, and we forge a new relationship. But prayer can seem like an overwhelming task. You might ask, where do I even begin? For that, I would encourage you to join us on Tuesday night. You can experience uh, prayer in action, see it modeled. Uh, We all pray differently, so you got different um, insights on that. Um, Also, I would encourage you, we've got an incredible, incredible prayer team that is here every Sunday for every service. They meet at the very back of the auditorium at that purple tent, and you're welcome to talk with them about what it means. The prayer people are passionate about prayer, and they would love to walk alongside you with that. So the second thing we typically do is read his word. We allow God to communicate with us as we read or listen to his word. Scripture is what reveals who God is, his character and his ways. YouVersion, the app I told you about earlier, it's got many different reading plans and devotionals that will guide you through scripture because it can be daunting to just pick up the Bible and read. We also offer a free devotional that will take you through the book of John through the course of 21 days. And you can get that at guest services when you grab your Bible. When what we read in God's word contradicts with what we thought or what we've been taught, we find community, other Christ followers who we can ask our questions and share our lives with. Perhaps there's a coworker who's a Christian that you can connect with, or if you're here, you connect through volunteering or through small groups to meet others and grow with. Personally, most of my growth came when I was serving in eKids. Kids are so excited to be here. They're typically, they're kids, they're typically pretty engaged with their lessons. Um, And those that I served with, they encouraged and loved me even when I wasn't doing the best job of following Jesus. So through all these means, we begin to understand what it means to serve God and follow Christ. So here we are, we've got these Israelites, New Samaritans. We've got these people. They've learned all about God and how to serve him. My second point, externally, these people are doing all the right things. However, we can see in their hearts that they were uncommitted. Verse 33 says, And though they worshiped the Lord, they continued to follow their own gods. Pastor Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas gives this insight. He says, the Israelites imitated the customs of the nations that God had driven out from the promised land, customs that God had explicitly forbidden through Moses. Israel's own kings, the men who were to lead the people in holiness and faithfulness, adopted these rebellious ways, and the people followed their lead. They thought they were doing these things secretly while still carrying on the pretense of worshiping God, as though he would be fooled. But God is omniscient, that is, all-knowing, and omnipresent, that is everywhere present. Nothing we do is in secret. Familiarity can be one of our greatest stumbling blocks. We stay stuck in patterns because we don't know how to break free from them, or we don't see anything wrong with them. We say things like, this is just how I am, or that's how it's always been. 
Or we justify our ways by saying, that doesn't apply to me. That's not my truth. At least I'm not as bad as... I go to church every week. Only God can judge me. Perhaps you're here today and you don't believe. It could be some that some of your issues with Christianity or with Jesus falls on this discrepancy in what Christians say and what we do. And for that, I want to apologize. Christians are called to be ambassadors, representatives of Christ. And we don't always do that well. Also, if that is you, I just want to thank you so much for giving us this hour of your week. We don't take that lightly. We are honored by that. And you are welcome here always, whether you ever believe in what we do or not, including all of your doubts and your questions. Please come. Believers in the room? Verse 34 says, They continue to follow their former practices instead of truly worshiping the Lord obeying the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands he gave the descendants of Jacob, whose name he changed to Israel. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. He gave Jacob a new identity. God gives us a new identity. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The key word in this passage is let. Let the Spirit renew. We make a conscious choice to surrender ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to make us new. Jesus also gives us a very strong warning in Revelation 3. When speaking to the church in Laodicea, he says in verse 15, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Hey, cat, because I'm talking for you guys here. How do we go from sneakers to lukewarm water? I'm so glad you asked. Up to this point, all of our scriptures today have been in the New Living Translation, but we're going to take a look at our main passage in the message version to see just how nostalgia ties in. 2 Kings 17, 32 through 34 says, They honored and worshipped God, but not exclusively. They also appointed all sorts of priests, regardless of qualification, to conduct a variety of rites at local fertility shrines. They honored and worshipped God, but they also kept up their devotions to old gods from the places they had come from. And they're still doing it, still worshiping any god that has nostalgic appeal to them. They don't really worship God. They don't take seriously what he says regarding how to behave and what to believe, what he revealed to the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. My final point is this. These new residents have all the knowledge of God, but since they're uncommitted, they're left unchanged. Now, we might not hold rituals at local fertility shrines, and I, for one, praise Jesus, because I've already got seven kids. (laughs) But there are many other things that keep us from fully pursuing God. For me, 
The busyness of life can keep me from seeking God. There's always somebody who needs something, a crisis of one sort or another that can keep me from my coffee date with Jesus, spending time in the word and worship. I also enjoy eating my feelings instead of, you know, when I should be probably talking to God about what I'm facing. And when life is really overwhelming, instead of receiving strength and reassurance from God, it can seem easier to tune it all out with sleep or video games. So what's keeping you from pursuing God? Internally, maybe you're holding on to unforgiveness, bitterness, pride. Are you rooting your identity in anything other than Christ? Does your career, political affiliation, life situation, or relationships dictate how you live or respond? Maybe you're tuning out through consumption. Shopping, eating, drugs, sex, entertainment, you know, all these things we do to numb. There may even be other gods that you're pursuing by seeking answers in the occult. Mediums, tarot cards, astrology. They worship the Lord, but they also, like, they worship the Lord, but they also. You've been given a new name. Is there something you're tripped up in for the sake of nostalgia? I know today's message can elicit a number of responses. Because of that, I've asked the band to lead us in a response through song. As they play, I encourage you to use this time to reflect. Perhaps you're here today and you can rejoice in the work that God has done in your life. You can praise Jesus for the freedom and renewing that comes from living a devoted life. For others, this may have unearthed some areas of rebellion in your life that you need to surrender to Jesus. We are saved by grace, not works. Praise God. But we must humble ourselves and acknowledge our need for a savior. Ask for forgiveness during this time and resolve to commit your ways to him. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd like to invite you to do that during this time. While the band is coming out, I'm going to read a portion of Romans from the Apostle Paul. He says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That five books of the law, we all fall short of that. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So during this song, you can receive, you can worship, you can cry out to God. Please respond in whatever way you need to today. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.